today we are talking about none other than Tarantino, bro. The Quentin Tarantino, if you will. Yeah, and uh, sort of the idea here is that we're starting off the Director Bro series. Director um, Bros. Yeah, basically just exposing us. We're, we're kind of film bros, it seems. Are, are we, Connor? Would you say we're film bros? Yeah, but I don't think we're as bro-y as some. Oh, dude, no, I was going to say we're not film bros. I was just, I was just testing you. I, I, I really I, hope yeah, not. Yeah, because I don't think we're like those dudes that are like, oh, oh freaking Quentin Tarantino, Christopher Nolan. No, well, I love those, and I really appreciate them, and I get it, and I will talk about that, but I'm, I, don't, I don't think we're bro-y. I couldn't agree with that sentiment more. It's, it's so true that these are really good directors, and... Mm-hmm. They're really popular directors, and their movies across the board are good. So yeah. when somebody They're says they like them, I can't hate on that. Yeah. But on the other hand... They're the easiest to like. Yeah. It's They're almost... Like, I, it's, it's the mainstream, like, good director to like, you know? Exactly. Like, you're not really doing that deep of a dive into cinema when you're mm-hmm. picking off, like, the most popular directors. And it's I think what's film bro is to talk about them as if they're sort of undiscovered like auteurs or whatever the yeah. word is. Which is it's just so clearly not true. I mean they put butts in seats and they sell tickets and they're the exactly. top directors working today. So of mm-hmm. course we're gonna talk about them. Yeah, they're great and they're popular for a reason. And obviously I love their movies and this list. So we're doing the Tarantino rank. And, like, we're ranking all those movies. We'll talk about some things in the rank, but um, this is one of those things I was putting together the list, and I was like, everything is good. Like, it's yeah. not, it's not like, there are a couple for me that are clearly bottom, and maybe, like, a couple top, but the middle is, like, honestly, I, I don't, this is going to be a tame episode, because I'm not passionate about my rank as, like, this is it. Like, kind of how Star Wars is for me. It's like, this is like, oh, yeah, I could get if your favorite movie is this or your least favorite movie is this. I get it. They're all honestly good. So that's nice. I completely agree with you. And I think, honestly, Tarantino is the one to start with. And I think the reason we're doing Tarantino first, and we may not ever do another Director Bro episode again, but maybe Maybe. we will. Honestly, what's nice is the filmography is so manageable. It's really not that mm-hmm. many movies. It's just yeah. as many as like the Batman episode or Star Wars. It's super, it's easy to talk about them and they're yep. pretty connected. And I think honestly, Tarantino's the most stylized director in the sense that you watch a movie and you're like, oh, that's a Tarantino movie. Or yeah, you sit down true. and watch a movie and you say, I want to watch a Tarantino movie right now. I don't really He's think about any other director quite like that. Maybe Christopher Nolan. Maybe Wes Anderson. Too. Oh, it's totally Wes Anderson. What are we talking about? It's Wes. Wes Anderson has way more of like a because his is just such a quirky style that yeah. Quentin Tarantino is like a modern Western filmmaker. You know what I mean? He makes yeah. modern Western style movies, and that's his inspiration. Uh, obviously, and Django is just a Western movie, but like the so the, the whip pans and the the just specific ways that he films is very. He, you can see that he takes inspiration from classic Western movies. But I think Wes Anderson is so quirky that his direction style is a lot more, not that Tarantino's isn't, but Wes Anderson's is a lot more noticeable. 
It's like a brand. It's it's like yeah. the director as a label. And as much as I've talked about in the past, like Nolan having that vibe, I would say he's less like that than Tarantino or Ander- Wes Anderson. You know, he's, yeah. he definitely has. Everybody kind of has their isms and their traits. And uh, Tar- Tarantino, Wes Anderson, a couple of the directors, definitely it's super clear. So, mm. you know. What so just to kind of walk through what films we are raking, just yes. in case anybody isn't aware of the very few that there even are to rank. Um, mm-hmm. Starting out with his directorial writing debut, he did direct a couple other like student film projects first. Yeah, but this was we're we're kind of thinking about his director's work as things he d- wrote and directed, like very, very Tarantino-led projects. So if yes. there was something he wrote and didn't direct, or there was something he acted in, we're not talking about those movies. Both of us probably haven't even seen those movies. So starting off with Reservoir Dogs, which is generally considered like his first movie, uh, that's from 1992. And then we're also talking about Pulp Fiction from 1994. Then we're talking about Jackie Brown from 1997. This is the only one that Connor has not seen. Sorry, my bad. Well, we, there's one to talk about later. There's one we'll talk about. Of the ones we're ranking, this is the yeah. only one that Connor has not seen. So Jackie uh, Brown for me it, is so we'll talk about it. Yeah, so Jackie Brown in my rank is going to be last because I haven't seen it. Right. That might change. I Honestly, you're it probably say it's your will. Favorite. <laughs> That's number <laughs> 1, baby. The one I haven't seen. Oh yeah. Yeah, maybe well maybe if you do end up watching it you can throw it in a quick take or something or I don't know. Yeah. It, it'll come up eventually. But yeah, totally. what we can we can talk about that. And then we we're also talking about Kill Bill Volume 1, I believe it's 2003, Kill Bill Volume Kill Bill Volume 2 is 2004. Mm-hmm. Both of those as separate movies, I think. Even though Tarantino likes to talk about them as one whole, I feel very separate about them. They are separate movies. Absolutely. Um, then getting into something, I, I don't know if this is controversial or not, to not consider it as something to rank, but he made the film Death Proof, which was a part of the co-directed like, like package. It was marketed as a two films in one thing called Grindhouse with another film by director Robert Rodriguez, who I believe directed From Dust Till Dawn, which starred Quentin Tarantino. Oh, yeah. Um, and so that Death Proof, by all counts, should be considered a Tarantino movie. It's written and directed by him. It was even produced by him. But mm-hmm. for our purposes, neither of us have seen it. And also, it's it often doesn't appear in these rankings just because it is co-branded with another director's work. So realistically, by our own kind of standards, we should be talking about it, but it's just one we haven't happened to see. And it's, I think it's fine to talk about his work without necessarily covering it. Uh, But how do I know? I haven't seen it. So whatever. Assuming makes an ass out of you and me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And then we're talking about uh, Inglorious Bastards from 2009 Django Unchained from 2012, The Hateful Eight from 2015. We're not talking about the extended miniseries episode version. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, what's the last one? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Once upon a time in Hollywood. <laughs> from 2019, I believe. 2019. 2019, yeah. yes, okay. Right before COVID. Yeah, no, right. That's like I think that's one of the last theater experiences I had before COVID, now that you bring that same. up. Totally same. Interesting. Cool. All right. Well, yeah, that's man. a pretty hefty mm-hmm. body of work there. A lot of good yeah. films. Exactly. But I think this one was, a, for me, it was easier to rank for some reason. It was. I like all of them. And then I just have favorites. It's very, This one is a very, like, 
personal opinion episode rather than a this is going to be such a calm <laughs> no I argumentative so. episode I mean, I mean if we do have a disagreement we can de- I definitely think we should dig into it and try and figure yeah, out I, why rather than you know I'm not going to I honestly I completely agree with you it, it's really tame it's easy to go oh yeah I totally get why that's your favorite one I think there's only yeah. one opinion people could have that I would get aggravated by okay. in regards to Tarantino. And I think you know what I'm about to say. So why don't we get into kind of our bottom two, bottom three. Uh, bottom because three for you. Bottom, bottom three two for, for me. me. Yeah, because I'm ranking nine films. Connor's ranking eight of them. So Sorry. We I make get things into complicated. It. I know, Connor. What the heck, man? I suck. So... <laughs> So, Connor, um, no, just for context, too, Connor had just moved across the country. I'm, I, I moved I moved across a city, which was not that hard to accomplish. Connor hey, moved still, over though. a four-day four uh, drive across the nation. So Yeah, so I apologize if my audio is not perfect. Normally, I have my mic set up on a stand, and now I have to just handhold it because I haven't figured out how to set up everything yet, so... Here we are. So this audio might be terrible. It might not. You, you'll hear it. <laughs> you can, <laughs> every movement makes a new sound. Every movement, it's lots of air. I really like Oh, that was awful fiction, audio. I I am so curious what that audio sounds like. <laughs> okay, so let's just dive right into... Talk about every the, single one of these movies like that? Let's talk about... Yep, just like this. Yeah, yeah but I'll talk about my trip more yeah. uh, during Quick Takes. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> all right, let's uh, dive right into it. All right, Connor, bottom what are your bottom three. two? My bottom two? Yeah, okay, so here. obviously with nine, so I'm giving you three, Jackie Brown is my bottom because I haven't seen it. Then my real bottom is Kill Bill 2, and then Hateful Eight. Interesting. Okay, this is where yeah. we're going to get heated. Because... Really? My bottom three... I was so wrong, guys. Well, we're not going to get that heated, but maybe yeah. a little bit. My bottom, my last, last bottom of the barrel is the Hateful Eight. Okay. Um, my second is Kill Bill Volume 2. Yeah. And <laughs> my third to last is none other than Jackie Brown. So okay, <laughs> look like at that. All, not like heated at all. Similar. <laughs> I don't know why you said we get heated. I, I totally well, understand. Well, why, why in your opinion... Okay, first, before we get into this, folks, we might get into spoilers for some of these films. Yes. So proceed with caution. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. maybe go and watch some of these movies that you think look good before listening to it. You don't necessarily have to see all of them. Yep. Uh, but we'll try not to spoil the crux of the film, but we might do some mild spoilers throughout. So it's mini spoiler warning. Um, Connor, yeah. your opinion. Well, we kind of can't talk about the movies without spoiling them. So I say proceed with extreme caution. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so Kill Bill 2 is my real bottom because, I don't know, I, it's just super forgettable. It's such, it's such a sequel that it doesn't add, it doesn't add anything, and it's really like, Kind of slow, honestly. The movie's mm. slow. But it's not a bad movie by any means. I just... Comparing it to Hateful Eight, I'd rather watch Hateful Eight than Kill Bill 2. I often do that where I'm like, which would I rather watch? I'd rather watch mm. Hateful Eight. I think Once again, not that Hateful Eight's a perfect movie, but... 
Man, I okay, I see what you're saying. Obviously, I don't love Kill Bill Volume 2 either. I think these two, I like Jackie Brown, so I'll get to that in a sec. But I think okay. these two movies are the only two that I'm like, I'm good. I really never need to see them again. I don't, yeah. they're okay movies. They're not bad. Like that, that says a lot. That mm-hmm. the bottom two for me, just, they're not bad movies. They're just completely okay, in my opinion. The reason I think Jack, uh, Kill Bill Volume 2 is better is because it's a, it's connected to Kill Bill Volume 1, and I would rather watch that again because if I am doing a Kill Bill watch through, you kind of want to yeah. see where it ends. You know, like Kill Bill Volume 1 leaves you off in this state where it's not complete. So yeah. having something that does complete the film is enjoyable. But to me, it's enjoyable in the same way like you're talking about with Return of the Jedi, where it's like, I enjoy that film for what it completes, but I don't necessarily like it. And I think that Kill Bill Volume 2 is the same way. I don't like a lot of what happens in it. I do think it's slow. I agree with you. I think there's there's too much kind of like, too much weird dialogue. I, as as yeah. much as that sounds odd to say about a Tarantino movie, I think by the time you get to the final interaction with Bill and mm-hmm. Uma Thurman's up against Bill, and it's just a lot of waxing poetic that I don't totally. care about. And the only scene that I look back on from that movie and go, damn, that was cool, is when she's buried alive. Yeah, that's punching it. the coffin. That scene's amazing. That's what you think about. That. That's what you think about when you think of Kill Bill 2. Like, that freaking scene, her being buried alive, and her getting it, yeah. it's so badass. Oh, but that's yeah. easily the best part of the movie, and it's, like, not that good. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, I that's cool, but in a, in a normal Quentin Tarantino movie, that wouldn't be the shining moment. Yeah, agree. That's just, like, that's a normally good Tarantino scene, and usually yeah. it feels like his movies, every other scene is like that. Exactly. Which is why it's kind of shocking just how devoid this film is of that level of excitement. Yeah. Yeah, I don't feel for it. But Hateful Eight is, in my opinion, quite a bit lower for me. Because, well, not that much lower, I guess. It's not that heated. (laughs) I don't know. I got you. You know, but I, okay, that movie, I remember being really excited to see it because before it came out, was like the year or two before that was when I started watching all of Tarantino's movies. I think I saw Inglorious Bastards first, and then I, I saw, you know, Pulp Fiction and Django, and I was watching all these other movies, and I was getting really into it, and I was really excited because I, I liked, like you're saying, spaghetti westerns or movies from the 70s that were influencing Tarantino in these ways that was style, his style obviously mm-hmm. brought about from his work as like a film archivist, I think. I don't want to say that exactly wrong uh but he was he had a lot of exposure to old films from his jobs and this to me seemed like the movie where he was really going to bring it together in this very cool way because he was using this um he was using great camera equipment to film the outside sequences so i was ready for a lot of awesome like outside action the snow looked amazing the trailer looked really good and this was the one like i was ready for it was the only one up to that point that I was like conscious for and like it was coming out. So to watch it and have it not really include many outdoor sequences 
to have it be in one location. Obviously, Reservoir Dogs does that, but this is different because it's... Much different. It's much different. It's much later in his career. It's a much longer movie. It's really, really long. Yeah. It's too long, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, it's think, definitely too long. Mm. And the I, di- I will say I like the dialogue in the movie, but it's like, I don't know. You kind of want, with Quentin Tarantino, he writes great dialogue, and then it's interrupted by some crazy shit. So, like, there wasn't enough of the crazy shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wanted more to happen. More to happen, and then, yeah. I, I mean, it does happen. Like, that movie goes off the rails, but um, way too late. And, mm. yeah, it's very... It's too more long. To happen, I agree with you on that. More to happen and more to mean something. I think I walked away from that yeah. film going, what was the point of this? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to give me a long, slow movie that's in one location with all these amazing actors and performances, have it mean something. And I just don't really feel like, at least for me, that film came across in any sort of meaningful way. And it kind of went in one eye and ear and out the other. Yeah. And honestly, my biggest critique of it is, despite really good performances and still great writing and great, um, you know, the action when it did happen was great and all these yeah. things are, are well done. It felt like a bunch of Hollywood actors who were not in their actual time period. Do you know what I mean? Like, it felt like all these actors yeah. were just kind of, like, cameoing and getting there. And, like, oh, Channing mm-hmm. Tatum's there, I think. Right? He's in the movie. Like, that's the yeah, thing. I don't even remember. If he, it just... Yeah. None of them felt like real characters of their time period. Channing Tatum especially is just a glorified cameo in that movie. They do yeah, feel which, out of place. Other than, I think... It feels like a play. And not yeah. in a good way. Oh, that's a great way of saying it. Yeah, like, exactly. It would work really well as a play, like really mm. well, because it's a lot of dialogue and it's. But in a movie, you don't really want that, and that's why a lot of times some movies don't work when you put them into plays. Like the Fences movie is good, but it's long and boring, and like yeah. it's better as a play. And I think that the movie kind of suffers in that same regard. You can kind of spot that type of filmmaking from a mile away when it does happen. I completely agree with you. And it's never, it's almost never a good thing. Mm -hmm. Even from really good directors. It's not, yeah. I I don't know. I don't have much else to say about the movie. Except that I really do love Kurt Russell and Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. I I think... They're um, they're enjoyable. And isn't it Janet Jason Lee? That's that's the other... Yes, I believe so. She's good... Or Jennifer Jason Lee, my bad. It's not. I Janet. think it is Jennifer Jason Lee. <laughs> I like. Janet. I mean, I love Tim Roth. I love Walton Goggins. I like. I really like the cast. Yeah. But you're right. It does feel like, ooh, look at all these famous people. Yeah. Rather than, I don't know. They were the yeah. best. But even like Tim Roth's part is so forgettable, and Tim Roth is so good. Not I in the movie, but Tim it. Roth is an ama- exactly. Tim Roth is an amazing actor, that is in that movie, and his part is so. Nothing. It's so nothing. There are a couple twists I like. Like the old man is interesting. The um, um, I obviously I think Samuel Jackson is the best part. Yeah, Kurt Russell Russell sometimes to me is too much. Where I'm like, all right, Kurt, bring it back, bring it back. Hey, don't tell Kurt to bring it back. Okay. Anyway, that's true. Um, another film that has a a stacked cast is Jackie Brown and. This film feels a lot different. To me, it's a big leap. To me, this film feels like it will perpetually be the undiscovered kind of 
uh, experience for people who are just kind of casually watching Tarantino movies. They're going to see all the ones that kind of have been big. They're going to see Pulp Fiction. They're going to see, you know, the Kill Bill movies. And then eventually, if they keep liking these films, they'll get around to Jackie Brown. And it's another good movie. But beyond that, I don't really have too much else to say about it. It feels the most like it's within the sort of Tarantino machine. Like, this just feels like, all right, insert Tarantino movie. Boom, Jackie Brown. <laughs> and it's like, okay, cool. Like, this is a Tarantino movie. It feels like that. It is a good movie. But it's ba- it's based on a book by Elmore, Elmore Leonard. So I think it's his, or at least up until that point, his only adapted work of this sort of canon. So that kind of diminishes oh, it a little bit for me. Yeah. Weirdly, it shouldn't, but it kind of does. Pam Greer's awesome. The, ca- the performances are awesome. It's cool that Michael Keaton is in this and another movie as the same character. Um, yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah, know that. I guess people, I'll people have been adapting it. this. I got this all from Wikipedia, guys. So got it, got people it, have it. been adapting from um, from this author, Elmore Leonard's books, and this character was showing up in another film that was being adapted at the same time. And so Michael Keaton played both, and Tarantino helped make that happen. So it's cool, cool little stuff. Cool. Robert De Niro's in it. I, I just think, like, it's fun. It's fine. But it doesn't really do much for me. It's a yeah. pretty standard crime movie. That's all I have to say about it. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, there we go. I need to watch it. I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah, but that's the thing. Is okay. Like, I'm, you need to watch it maybe to like complete your Tarantino watch through, but I'm never exactly. going to go up to somebody and be like, hey, have you seen Jackie Brown? Like, I will, <laughs> never, I will never say that to somebody. I will never say that. So. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I've never even heard that. Like, no one's ever been like, Jackie Brown. But yeah. isn't it the most, isn't it, is Sam Jackson in it? He is. He is. Doesn't the, he have, the, that's the movie the where he has the most profanity until um, Jonah Hill in Wolf of Wall Street. I think it might be. I think it might be that. And it, I know it was really controversial because obviously Pam Greer was a black exploitation film star in the 70s. And I, okay. I, I want to say 70s, late 70s. Um, and she's awesome. So she's a badass and Tarantino's a big fan of hers. And so this movie is yeah. really inspired by that. But its use of the N-word and its dynamics came under a lot of fire from Mm. one group of people. And then another group of people said, like, no, it's fine. Like, it's serving this purpose. So, you know, you have people like Spike Lee on one side and Sam Jackson on the other. But I don't know how much that was played up for the media. I don't know how much. I don't know how how its legacy really lies. I haven't really talked to people about it too much. And I think it doesn't really do that much for me. So I don't really, I almost Definitely. don't really care about its legacy that much. Hmm. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next three. This is where we might get differing opinions. Okay. But once again, like this, I the movies I'm about to talk about, I really like. Like, yeah. The ranking in is just kind of like, I don't know. I just I really right. like these movies, and if it's if we disagree, then I totally get it. Like. This is, it's interesting. More so. like an excuse to talk about them. Yeah, exactly. With these, especially exactly. like you're saying in this section. Mm-hmm. I, we might have the same top three, but I don't know. I they, don't know, man. We might be similar. I don't know. I okay. feel like we might end up the same. I think that this we is might. one of those where it's really likely that we could. Or s- very similar yeah. kind of. Yeah. All right. So uh, my next three are Kill Bill 1, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and then Reservoir Dogs. 
Damn, son. Okay, this is my. This will be a source of contention for me. Cool, cool. Okay, um, my next three are. It's funny. <laughs> they are the same three films, just in a different order. <laughs> I knew it. I knew <laughs> they it. They are. They are. Of course. Um, the next three for me are Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Reservoir Dogs, sure. then Kill Bill Volume One. That yeah, that makes total sense to me. I um, guess my question. My I disagree. First question off I, the bat, yeah. Why? Why Hollywood over Kill Bill? That's what's. Uh, you know, I get a it. Weird question. Like a weird. I I really liked Hollywood. It was. I I think it's a really great movie. And Kill Bill for me, for some reason, doesn't do it as much. I'm I'm not just into like the senseless action that it kind of is. Hmm. It's the it's hands down the most like action forward Quentin Tarantino movie. It's way more straightforward action movie rather than everything else, which is like a violent movie that has this really cool, interesting story going on that it's has to do with a lot of violence. Except for Hollywood. Uh, the Kill Bill, I don't know. I like I get why people like it, and I I'm not even gonna argue why you put it at the top of these three, but I don't know. I just I think I liked Hollywood better. I like a crazy good story, and I wasn't expecting a lot of stuff in Hollywood. And Kill Bill felt pretty straightforward vengeance story. Okay, that's yeah. Actually, that makes like it's a great it's a great movie, and I'm not like disparaging it. Is that the right use of that word? I yeah, no, definitely. Okay, great. I'm not like putting it down. I I just prefer Hollywood to it. I'm going to disagree with you on Reservoir Dogs. I almost put Reservoir Dogs in my top three. Mm. I was like, where's this going to go? But, um, yeah, so we'll talk about Reservoir Dogs. But, yeah, so talk about Hollywood Mm. and Kill Bill. Interesting. Okay. I see what you're saying because the highs story-wise of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood are more impressive because it is a very unique kind of tale, and definitely the ending really landed for me. The ending, the ending was dope. amazing. The ending made that mm-hmm. movie. However, Definitely. if I'm looking at this movie as a whole, it sort of has the, I want to say, Hateful Eight symptom of just kind of things are happening. At least to me, it felt like just, oh, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this. Oh, cool, all right. Oh, yeah, Sharon Tate's around. And then it sort of swirls together by the end, but some of the elements don't really like get sucked up into it. And other elements mm. are just kind of there, and some, yeah, maybe they contribute to the whole, but they're just not that interesting. And it's mm. a long movie, so I feel like, yeah, for its length, I'm a more impressed by a movie like Kill Bill that has a very simple, um, direct purpose, simple direct story, and it executes mm-hmm. on it flawlessly, pretty much. Yeah, I think the I flaws come in the fact that the story doesn't finish, and that they needed a sequel with it. I think that's a flaw, and to have the sequel not yeah. be that great, that that, that was dampens the movie for me. I completely agree. But if you're taking just volume mm-hmm. one, man, that execution's great. It's not quite as long. It's an easy one to throw on, and it is badass. Like that movie just it's so just badass. Lands. It's a badass movie. The final the, fight scene. Yeah, the, the black the, and white. Oh man, that's like maybe one of the best action set pieces and fight oh. scenes. In film ever agreed it's agreed. Really did you know great. why it? Did you know why it goes black and white? Um, no, no. How there come? is a there is a re- he didn't ever intend for it 
this is like the common fun fact with this movie. Okay. Um, he never intended it to go black and white, but there was so much blood in the movie that if he oh. kept the blood, the movie would have been rated NC-17. Oh. And he didn't want that. So <laughs> he literally, just by taking away the red color, it was fine. So there is only black and white for as long as there needs to be black and white. It works really well, though. It's so stylized. I think, yeah. I also think for me, Kill Bill probably is down lower because I I associate it with Kill Bill 2. And I don't like Kill Bill 2. It's like, I hate that it ends. I hate that it doesn't end. Like, Kill Bill Mm. 1 is like, oh, what? Kill Bill, please. Like, kill him. I want to see that. Like, it was so sick. Who does she kill? She only kills two. Of I think she the kills two. I can't squad. remember if she kills two or three in the first one because it's five total, right? And then Bill, or is it five including? No, I think Bill? it's four, and then. Oh yeah, because she's one of the five. She's one of she, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the it's so the two, lady. Two it's in the, the mom. first one, two in the second one, and then Bill at the there end might, of the second one. I, there might be three in the first one. It's I don't the know. La- it's the the mom yeah. who shoots her with a cereal box, and then, and then Lucy Liu's character, Lucy Liu. Is that it? I think that's it. Maybe I'm wrong. And then, and then Bill, the second one, it's is the um, dude. Yeah. What's his name? With the I'm shotgun. Blanking on the actor's and then, name, but yes, I know who you're talking about. And then sure. Bill. Is that really it? The Viper Squad. No, no, no. Because then it's it's um, she, she has a you know it's isn't it Daryl Hannah who has the eye patch or am I getting the actress wrong? Oh, it is. She's yes, in the second it one, is. Right? She's in the second one. So or it's she, two she in interacts first, with two her. in the second. Then Bill. Doesn't she interact with her in the first one though? I feel like they have a fight scene or something in the first movie. I or some sort of interaction. Maybe I it's a flashback. Think... I don't know. Okay, uh, maybe. Yeah, it's been, but been it is long. the lady with the eye patch. That's anyway, what I was forgetting. I think that's a very valid reason to not kill Bill One. Um, honestly, yeah. it would have been cooler maybe if they never even made a sequel and it's just like, oh yeah, she killed two of them. <laughs> <laughs> what, what happened next? I don't know. Like, don't, does that's it really so matter? That's, it's if the he was nature like, of vengeance. It's you know, it's never completes, never, never fulfills you. It's never ending. No. Or anyway. if she died or something, that would be brutal. Yeah, I don't know. I okay. just like I like a crisper movie. Yeah, when it, I when, get what you're saying. When it happens, I think it was good. Okay, and now let's talk about the Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Reservoir Dogs. I. Really love Reservoir Dogs. For me, like the jump from once from Hollywood to Reservoir Dogs is a lot bigger. I I love Reservoir Dogs. I remember I had no idea what the movie was about, and then I watched it and I was like, oh my god, this is so cool! Like, what an idea for a movie! And it this is the movie that feels like a play, but in the best way. Hmm. Agreed. Like, the the dialogue is perfect. That opening scene is so good. And it's a one take, which is amazing. And then uh, the, like, twist. Who's the cop? What are their names? Why is, like, him torturing the cop is, like, terrible. And oh, you, that scene is it's gnarly. Just, um, it's just amazing actors doing, like, amazing work over a really well-written story. Yeah. And I think it is, it is like, a testament to you can make a really good movie with a really low budget it looks not expensive. It might have been super expensive, but it feels like a movie you could make like as long as you have a good script. Yeah. And some base and some camera knowledge because there's nothing really crazy going on with the cameras other than that one take at the very beginning. It's but the just the simplicity is so good and the no, I really love Reservoir Dogs. 
That's interesting because when I first watched through these, when I was in, I think I was in middle school, Reservoir wow. Dogs was my favorite. Reservoir Dogs it's used to be good. my favorite for a while. And I really, really loved it the first time I watched it. Mm-hmm. Everything shocked me. I was so invested. There's yeah. so many characters who are all in many ways very similar, but I'm invested in them differently. Yeah. As they're, they're like similar motives, but they're yeah. so clearly their own person and defined character. But they just yeah. work together. Very just cool stuff. Lands that movie. It is a really yeah. good movie. It's very impressive. It does feel like a play in a good way. The one location and having it work because mm-hmm. he uses it in such creative ways. And yeah, yeah, the the torture scene like that forever changed oh that song God. for me. It's just a it's a totally. Nuts, that's an amazing scene, and there are amazing scenes, and the whole the thing as a whole works well, and it's not indulgent it feels very it feels like there's so much love behind it and it's his first Mm -hmm. movie how can you not respect it yeah however the reason i don't have it quite as high is a just because i like the other movies a lot so no real knock to where's dogs and then b i think upon rewatch i kind of don't enjoy it quite as much i don't feel like it's that rewatchable which that makes sense i mean it's just so thing, full of like twists and turns that once you know what's going on and the twists and like who is who and what is what, yeah, it, I would assume it wouldn't be as interesting to watch because you're not on the edge of your seat the whole time. Definitely, but that's not really a fault of like the film itself because some no. films aren't meant to be very rewatchable and they're meant to be very rewarding one time. And as I go further, I'm forgetting more things about that movie, and I'll probably rewatch it in a couple of years and. You know, it will hit me all again, like in a new way. Yeah. I might reevaluate that and think, oh, yeah, this is way better than Kill Bill. But at the moment, I just sort of where it sits for me, I guess. I don't have that. I don't have any reason really why not beyond yeah, love for the other movies. Totally. That's, but, you, you know, know, once Holly, again, I get it. It's, just, yeah. 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 Going back, one more thing I wanted to say about Hollywood, uh, Once Upon a mm-hmm. Time in Hollywood, is the difference between Reservoir Dogs and Hollywood. There's such a jump if you look at like what his most recent movie was and what his first movie was. Yeah. There is a different sort of air in the movie that I don't like as much in the in the recent one and in Hateful Eight because mm. it does feel a little more Hollywoody. And obviously this is a movie about Hollywood, so of course it does, but it feels more yeah. Hollywoody in like the self-indulgence and it feels like the man creating it. Fair to fair enough for him, you know, has been within the Hollywood system and at the top of his game and one of the most respected directors worldwide for the past three decades. Like yeah. that's the feeling I get from who created it. And I'm more interested in a movie made by a burgeoning filmmaker who, you know, has something to prove. Like I always think those are yeah. typically more interesting movies. But I, I I'd assume because none of his other movies are that like Hollywood. I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. All of the others do feel a lot more genuine or... Yeah. But Hollywood... But I'm assuming that was on purpose because it's about Hollywood and he's trying to look all glitz and glamour. And is it the classic Tarantino look? No. Is it his bet? No. I don't really... I like... Yeah, I, I also like that and the 90s style and the... Just on-the-ground filmmaking. Like yeah. You, you clearly, Quentin Tarantino was holding the camera for a lot of shots in Reservoir Dogs, you know? Yeah. Like, that kind of thing. 
I, but I totally get what you're saying. I have to imagine for people in the early 90s when that film came out, if they were Tarantino fans, I bet they had this special sort of badge of honor. You know, just yeah. like before Pulp Fiction came out, they're just like, oh yeah, the guy who made Reservoir Dogs, like, that's a cool movie. Like, you should watch mm-hmm. that movie. And then he sort of just really blows up and then it's not yeah. cool anymore. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like Tarantino hipsters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You got on the trend late. I liked Tarantino before you were born. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Okay, Connor. What are your top three? Top well, we know three. they're the same three movies. We know for they're each the same us. three Just movies. How are you going to put them? Yeah. So mine, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough for you. And I really had to think about the the three and two. I was like, where do they go? But number one to me was clear. And I, all right. So number three is Django. Django Unchained. Number two is Pulp Fiction, and number one is Inglorious Bastards. Same. <laughs> same, exactly. Same. Yeah, Dude, same, exactly. It's so... <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, I, I think with Django and Pulp Fiction, it was like, I got to respect Pulp Fiction. Honestly, I'd probably rewatch Django more, but the, the like the respect I have for Pulp Fiction is next level. That movie is so good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what what do we even say? I had the same questions in my head because I'm thinking of, like, different moments in Django and going, oh, mm-hmm. but Django, and, like, then, yep. oh, but Pulp Fiction doesn't really, like, follow the same narrative structure, so it doesn't land as well. But I just rewatched yeah. it with Lucas, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, damn, this movie's so good. How can I not put, you know, how can I not think of Pulp Fiction in the same way that everybody talks about it? It's amazing. It's an amazing movie. It, it's It's so amazing. It, yeah, it was so monumental. Like, it was after Reservoir Dogs. To jump to that was like, whoa. How, how cool is the, the style? It's so stylistic, and it works so well. And I remember my parents were like, they remember when that movie came out because it's bonkers, and yeah. it's, it was edgy, and it was violent, and it was something that no one had ever really seen before hmm. or, like, in that mainstream you know? Oh, definitely. And I think that, you know, the violence and the edginess to it, it, it is groundbreaking in that way. And the writing, yeah. uh, you know, the, it's so quotable. It's so memorable. Oh, totally. in terms of Every conversation that Vincent Vega and Jules have, it's just, mm-hmm. it's amazing. And then uh, the whole section with John Travolta and Uma Thurman just going about this yeah, like, date thing. It's amazing. Really I mean, it's so good, but, but the movie's sort of made up, the thing that holds it back a little bit, just a little bit for me, is it's sort of made up of these sweeping sequences. And obviously that's the structure. That's what's groundbreaking about it. Mm-hmm. But when you're putting it all together and you're rewatching the film and you're you know, looking for impact and you're looking for like kind of more out of it, it does lack a little bit in terms of like what it's saying about things and what it really means as a film in mm-hmm. terms of like a heart level. Um, for me, that's always kind of a big deal with movies, so I have to knock it a little bit for not really landing as much on that level for me. However, yeah. I think in this case, it was very worthwhile to sacrifice some of that to do what it did. You know, to... Yeah. Okay, spoilers, heavy, if you haven't seen Pulp Fiction. Heavy movie, spoilers. To kill Vincent Vega in the middle of the movie is the so most bold. shocking thing ever. Yep. And how many other movies do that? And then find a way structurally in a kind of structured w- structural way that that makes sense to go back in time and have more with him 
even when you know he's not yeah. going to contribute to the story yep. anymore. It's just because we get know to... he's <laughs> when you know he dies and you see him in the last scene and you're like, this dude goes from this spot right here to die. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he like dies the next day. Like you know that it, yeah. it works so well. The way he tells the story in a not in, in a non-linear way is honestly like genius. And the story wouldn't work without that. Right. Did you know? All right, Funny. I gotta I gotta say this. This is another theory about it, and it's okay. kind of how I see it. It's not necessarily a theory, it's just like, oh, think about it like this. It is so chronologically weird because it is from the perspective of different people telling you about their day and what yeah. was important to them. So, like, the opening scene with Vincent and Jules, that's not the opening scene. The opening scene with uh, well, Pumpkin in the cap- and Bunny. Yeah, yeah. Like, they, that's from their perspective. That was their start. Yeah. And, um, but then when you go to Vincent and Jules, and they go inside, and they get that's- shot, and they miss, like, but that's, that, that happens, same... That happens that at happens, the end. The missing the, no, the no. missing the shots happens at the very end of the movie. That's after Vincent dies, and it goes back to Jules, and he talks no. about that conversion experience. Dude, I just watched it two days ago. So the what? End, so at the, yeah, the beginning of the movie is they have that scene, and then it goes through that part of the day, and it stops once they when he actually kills apprehend the dude. him. Yeah, and then it's like boom, boom, yeah. boom, and then it switches. So that, that's Vincent's view of it. At the end, yes. after Vincent dies, it switches back to Jules. You're and right, he because talks Vincent about doesn't... Experience. Yeah, yeah, because Vincent doesn't care that he missed. The guy just missed. That's right. all he, that happened. He leaves that you're detail right, out. Right. It's not important to him. And then it moves yeah. into his experience with um, with Mia, which, fun side note, my parents mm-hmm. had not seen this movie when me and my sister were born. And everybody would ask them, did you name your children, my name Vincent and Mia, oh after the God. main characters from Pulp Fiction? And they're like, no. But it, I didn't even <laughs> but think I, about that. So that works so me. well, though. That's hilarious. <laughs> Wow, that's yeah. a that's amazing. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, We're literally named after the two, you know, leads. Make uh, other than uh, you know, two of the three leads, two of the four leads, I guess you could say. Yeah, you should have named all your pets like Jules. Um, what are the what's the box? Marcellus, name? Marcellus Wallace. Marcellus Wallace. Can you imagine oh. having like a I don't know, just like a really cool dog named Marcellus Wallace? That'd be really that'd fun. be dope. Or like a really small dog named Marcellus Wallace. <laughs> a chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> you just put a band-aid on the back of his neck. I know, Did right? you know Okay, and that's the thing. What's that's in the so briefcase? Cool. What do you think is in the briefcase? I Vince? think the whole point is that it's funny and it doesn't matter. That's yeah. that's what I love about it. It's yeah. like, okay, it's something valuable. It's shining in gold. It's it's yeah. worth a lot of money. I love mm-hmm. it. I don't know. It's good. It's a good I would say, Well, because Quentin Tarantino talks about it because people go up to him and ask what's in it. Yeah. And he's always like, what do you think is in it? Yeah. Like, he's like, I don't care what I think. What do you think? And no one ever goes up to him and says what they think. I know what I think mm. it is. What do, you, what do you think it is? Okay, so Marcellus Wallace has a band-aid <laughs> on the back of his neck. <laughs> and that is a common place where the devil will take your soul out. That's where he does it. Uh, so I believe what's in the suitcase is Marcellus Wallace's soul. Interesting. Don't you? But think in reality, have you seen the real picture of the briefcase? Like what's, what's in it what's on set? It? It's a light bulb. Light? Yeah, it's okay. a light bulb. I <laughs> but I think it's it can't be money because they don't have 
like Vincent opens it for the first time and looks in and is shocked. Like he's in a, a moment. So you know yeah. it's not just money and it's glowing. So you're like, is it gold? What is it? But it's, I believe it's Marcel. Well, well I, think, I think it's a good theory. I just think it, he would have a much it's weirder reaction. Yeah. He would have a much stronger reaction, I feel like, in that scene. Mm-hmm. That would be a no, very... Yeah, for sure. I think... I think it's just dumb, like, yeah, no, whatever. I like theory. if it's his soul. I, something I'm curious about, too, that they leave unanswered is, you know, how he throws, I, I forgot the like his hitman's name, who who they're telling the story about how he, Marcellus threw this hitman off a roof for touching Mia's yeah. feet. But yeah. then Mia, you know, says, that's not true. Like, Marcellus wouldn't throw a guy off a roof for touching my feet. I'm, like, just constantly thinking about, so why did he throw him off a roof? Uh, it's probably some yeah. stupid reason, but I just think it's funny that the movie doesn't really go into that. Um, mm-hmm. It just ignores things that, like, don't matter. That don't matter, yeah. I mean, it doesn't add anything. It, yeah, it talks about, it doesn't add anything to the story. It adds to the story in a way that, like, it just feels real. Oh That's yeah, what people yeah, talk exactly. About. And then you never talk about it again. Right. And you don't care who right. gives a shit. Not adding about. anything isn't the right word, but it doesn't. You're right. Like it doesn't contribute to any mm. like major yeah. plot details. Like it, that's not important. But it does yeah. characterize Marcellus for the whole first part of the movie, and it does characterize Mia to then debunk that. So it's very important to talk about it. Um, well, here's movie. the thing. Holy crap! Does he actually? Is she, does she truly believe that? He wouldn't do that for that reason. Or did he, and she's just oblivious to how uh, crazy her husband is. Yeah, they, I mean, that's another. And there's that's just another a lot, there's thing. a lot of questions. It I'm, could be that, it shoot. could be something else. I mean, Marcel's does prove himself to be a very bad dude when he's shooting after Butch and he hits that um, yeah. random passerby. And like, I, he doesn't even assuming, care. Yeah. He doesn't care at all. He may have killed that woman and he does mm-hmm. not care at all. Um, it's almost like he doesn't have a soul. Bump. Interesting theory. So, so you know, let's before I start talking about the UC Santa Cruz oversized shirt, let's talk about Django. Let's talk about Django. I love Django. It's so good. Django is, it's the best modern Western in my mind. I like actually have no doubt about that. Yeah, it's so freaking good, and. The acting is amazing in it. It's on it, like I'm gonna talk about this movie probably in more admiration than Pulp Fiction. I just man, Pulp Fiction is <laughs> I have so much respect. It's like just mantle Pulp Fiction. But Django Unchained is like it feels like a big blockbuster expensive movie with really famous people, but unlike Hateful Eight, yeah, the actors work perfectly for it and Agreed. it's this huge sweeping scale that like um obviously christoph waltz is amazing jamie fox is amazing leonardo dicaprio it like he is such a good villain it's crazy but the uh, every person in that movie is so good also did you know um this is another fun fact sam jackson has a limp the whole time in the movie. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as Candy dies and everyone dies, he drops his cane because he's been faking it the whole time. Oh, yeah, no, I definitely noticed that. And I and then the first thing Django does is shoot him in the shoot leg. Shoot him in the leg, yeah. Give him, give no, him, I, such him a limp. A, such a great movie. I mean, this is yeah. a better version of the revenge story from Kill Bill Volume 1 because yes, it's totally. cohesive. It's one film. It's in an amazing setting with much higher stakes 
feeling. You know, like it's to- not like totally. You know, yeah. The Uma Thurman from Kill Bill, she's an assassin. She's involved in this kind of dark city mm-hmm. world. Django's done nothing wrong. His uh, yeah. Broomhilda has done nothing wrong. These are normal people. Totally. And they, you know, I, you just, I get so hooked on that revenge story, and I don't think I've ever had so much fun in a movie seeing a dude get revenge or seeing any character yeah. get their revenge. It's amazing it's, in this film. It's not even like a revenge story. It becomes one. It's, yeah. A it, saving. Well, because he's, he's, he's freed of, yeah, he's She's freed of slavery in the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. Like, he is free. He's a free man at the beginning and then chooses to be a bounty hunter with Christoph Waltz. And, God, Christoph Waltz is so good. He's okay. such a good actor. This is, uh, this is kind of controversial. He won the Oscar, right? Did he, want, did he win? I think he won. I hope he won for this or Inglorious, one or the, one or the other. I, I, I believe he okay. won for Inglorious. This is, this is a, bad, a bad beef to have with the movie. But Ooh, as no. much as I love... Christoph Waltz's performance in each Inglorious and Django individually. Mm-hmm. If I were to binge them back to back, or if I'm thinking about the fact that these two came out back to back, it's a mm-hmm. bit much. Like it's a bit too Christoph heavy in a way that I think yeah. I think this movie really leaned in the fact that they knew they had a very, very, very talented actor That's from true. the last film. I think it leaned in a little too hard because he's very important to the story. And he's mm-hmm. an interesting character, but I think there were moments where they gave him a little more to do than otherwise the film might have had it been a, a more, more normal performance, a, a less engaging performance from yeah. a, you know, an otherwise great actor. And then the other thing, yeah. very, very small beat. I think the movie runs just a tad bit too long I with agree. things like... You know, Quentin Tarantino's cameo and the Australians, that sucked me right out of the movie. I hate it. Yeah, that was... I mean, he I, likes putting I, himself in movies, and it sometimes it works. Like in uh, Pulp, Pulp Fiction, Fiction, it really, it really works. works. Yeah. He's so funny. And then in... Um, it did not work. In actually. Reservoir Dogs, he's a full character. That's true. He is. He's a full oh, character. did you he's know... He's the first one there's to a die, Vega, but he's a full character. There's a Vega in um, Reservoir Dogs who's brothers with Vincent Vega. Vincent Vega's yeah, brother. Yeah, the guy yeah, who yeah, tortures him. Yeah, yeah. I keep forgetting. Yeah, what's his, what's that guy's name that. again? His first name? It's something Vega. I forget that. I don't even talk. I, do they really say his name? They do or? once at the beginning. Eh, whatever. It doesn't it matter. Right now. Anyway, Django. Too late. I'm looking it up. Okay. Yeah. Django is amazing. There's not much to knock it. But when you're at this level, like when we're talking about top three, I think it deserves third for those two reasons. Because there is no yeah. reason why that cameo should have taken up that big of a scene and sucked people out of the yeah. movie and not really added anything. And there's a little bit you can trim. There's a little bit... There's a couple places where they could have focused more on the things that the film was doing really well and that really, yeah. really contributed to the whole. And instead, they opt to give you something else. But that doesn't happen very often. It's a near-perfect movie. It's very, very good. Mm-hmm. It's you know, I, I totally agree with you. It's it's a great movie, but oh, one yeah, other they, thing they could trim they could trim the fat a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah, not even not in even like too much. Three scenes, like, yeah, like yeah, yeah. But there's something that's very fascinating about this movie is I got really into spaghetti westerns because of this movie. Yes, and you that's did. when I found <laughs> that's when I found you know all the classics like Good, Bad, and Ugly. And mm-hmm. um, uh, there's this series. There was this ongoing series around that time called. Django. It was a revenge movie from 1966, I believe. It's this mm-hmm. Italian spaghetti western, right? 
and no one really had the rights to this character, or if they did, people would break it. And so there are a ton of Django movies from this area, from different oh. directors, different studios, different actors, and they all kind of are a part of this series that's not official. And so Tarantino making Django Unchained, it's almost like a continuation of that series. It's another Django movie, except this is his version of it, and it's far better than any of the other ones, because I've yeah, seen right. the first Django, and this is... This is Way better. It does use the same song. <laughs> the opening song from this movie is the song from the 60s Django. Oh, just re-recorded? I don't even think so. I think it's straight up the same. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I, but I could be wrong. Anyway. Okay. Now uh, it's time to talk about uh, arguably Quentin Tarantino's masterpiece. Didn't you put this in your top five movies when we were talking about our yeah. favorite Scotland? Yeah. Yeah. This movie's so good. Yeah. I think... Once again, it's like, all right, it's Inglor- yeah, Inglorious Bastards. Um, one of the best war movies. It's so satirical and fun. It's like so Quentin Tarantino, and it was so genius of him to do a war movie because that's perfect for him. Like, that is so his speed and his type. He's so violent, and that, that just works so well. And it's a bunch of amazing actors who just fit in their part so well. And actually, the... Yeah, Christoph Waltz, that opening scene is maybe the best opening scene in movie history, in my opinion. It is so, so good, and it sets the scene so well, and Christoph Waltz is so scary without being, like, scary, you know? Yeah. He, he's, he's terrifying, and you're like, this is real shit. This, this really happened. Wow, and from the moment he walks in, you know he's a Nazi, you know he's bad, but he's just so warm and, like, it's sweet almost mm. but you know you know what's going to happen and the other the other actors like aren't even in the rest of that movie the guy he's with and he's the the he sells it so well oh my gosh how yeah. scared he great is great reactions in that mm-hmm. scene it, and that's all he does all he does is reactions yeah. which honestly is is a lot harder than just acting acting is reacting and for him to sit there and just be terrified logically and then respond and not poke the beast kind of thing. But yeah, that opening scene is, is amazing. And then you think like, Oh, the rest of the movie can't live up, but it does. Yeah. It ever like it, each little snippet of story, like the Michael Fassbender, like bar scene is so that's, good. That's my favorite. <laughs> that's of the movie. so I love that good. Scene so much. I, I agree. I think I'll put, I'd put that above the opening scene, but for the opening. Well, yeah. Oh shoot. my God. It's, and then the everything Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt is, I forget. He's like a really good actor. <laughs> this movie's hilarious, and Brad the Pitt movie is, is hilarious. Brad Pitt is so f- that the whole yeah. I mean, the iconic, iconic scene <laughs> where he says, "Arrivederci." <laughs> what the heck? It, it's just, it's amazing. That was genius. That whole yeah. and the whole it lands because the whole bit before it, <laughs> he's saying yeah. he knows Italian the best, and then the other guy's <laughs> like, "I know, I know it." I know it pretty well. And then the third guy's like, I hardly know it at all. And he's the only one who can even sound the least bit Italian. <laughs> and he looks like, a, he looks <laughs> he Italian. Looks he Italian. is Italian. I love that scene so much. And, it's so funny. Yeah. And but Christoph it's, oh, Waltz. It's such a good I, I mean, revenge movie too. It it's is. another revenge movie. Uh, a different, different type though. Not, not in the same way. You're not like, following it like she's out there seeking revenge. 
it just kind of happens. Oh, her, upon her story. Her, yeah, her story. story. It's exactly. a revenge movie. I forgot. And then yeah, she's amazing. She's the a, um, Melanie Laurent, the, I think, is the yeah. actress's name. And then uh, what's the dude who was the war hero? He was in Civil, Captain America: Civil War. I'm now blanking. What what, what exactly do you mean? But the like the vil- the Nazi who's like flirting with the film girl. Oh, oh yes. He no, is yeah, great. One hundred percent. He's so good. I remember his I, name. Yeah, nah, same. I, I guess it doesn't I, matter. But you know what we're talking about. He plays Zemo. Yes, he plays Zemo. Um, him in that movie, he's so good. He's just like honestly, you like him. You like him. I. Uh, Quentin Tarantino really balances this line, especially with that character in particular. Mm-hmm. That's like, yeah, they're Nazis, but that guy's also a soldier. Like, he's not... He's not into the crazy Nazi until the stuff. End. He actually, until, av- until the end. Until he's But not. he avoids it. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, you, you could go, an American would do the same, because they would. I, he is just such a real guy, and you're like, oh, dang, I, like... I don't want him to die. Like, can he just like get a, get off? But no, she she gets him, and then and then he kills her. Oh, we're spoiling this whole movie. Yeah, right. If um, you haven't seen Glorious Bastards, you shouldn't have listened to this podcast. What are you doing? No, you're not a real not. film bro unless you're not seen a real Glorious film Bastards. bro. Come unless on. you watch Hitler's head explode. That is that's such a good bit. That's such a good bit. It's so creative. This movie yeah. to me, this is the one that just like kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah, you know. It, like, it's let's, totally. let's redo history. Like, it's so satisfying mm-hmm. because Hitler is arguably the most universally hated person in yeah. re- at least recent history. I mean, to have a film that's all about, yeah. hey, what if what if they him and, like, his close circle died in the most glorious way possible and we made you care about all these characters that are doing it? Yep. That is, that is an amazing movie. I'm down. I'm here for it every single mm-hmm. time. Yeah, I could rewatch this movie a bunch. There's what's the flaw? I mean, people don't like Mike Myers cameo. Oh come! I was just about to say. I literally was like, "I'm Mike Myers is in this movie, and it works. (laughs) He's just like British intelligence." I know people. People are (laughs) let's throw Mike Myers. People are mixed. I don't think it. works. I don't think it matters. It's a perfectly fine scene that moves the movie forward. It doesn't do do anything. And I guess maybe since it is Mike Myers, you get a little distracted by the fact that it's Mike Myers. But like, who cares? Who cares? He's talking to Michael Fassbender. I mean, come on. Him playing a serious, like you're saying, a serious British intelligence officer. Yeah. But in a kind of serious way, I guess. And Winston Churchill is just sitting. It's so weird. Right. Who's sitting? Isn't it Winston Churchill? When he comes in, he's like, meet Winston. Yeah. But um, this movie sold everyone on Michael Fassbender, too. Holy crap. Oh, yeah. He he popped off. And that, that role, you forget how big the freaking, like, cast is because you it's always major. think you you because i mean the main cast of characters are the bastards and then the girl and christoph waltz like those are the kind of main people you're following or yeah you're not following christoph waltz but he is although hitler's in this movie christoph waltz is the oh yeah guy. i mean he's the one you're you're seeing <laughs> the entire film he's not yeah he's less of an idea he's he's the face of it he, yeah he's the he, totally but the the michael fassbender bit Oh, it's so good. It's so freaking good. Uh, just like, scene, we're going to listen you, back to this you audio. You know the moment, <laughs> the moment when he gives it away. Oh, my Lord. Such a good, such a good the other scene Yeah, that's... Quentin Tarantino builds tension so well. Like, you know they're in that bar. And yeah. since that commanding officer is there, you're like, all right, what's 
going to go down. And they, it's really genius. It's just a very satisfying movie. Like, that is such a totally. way of putting it. I think, they're, like, the scene early on where they introduce uh, the, the guy whose code name is the Bear Jew. And yeah, it's like a dude. minute long where nothing's mm-hmm. happening. He is just walking nothing's out happening. of, like, a... <laughs> I think like a sewer line and he's just, yeah, it's like a, it's a just, tunnel. Yeah. A tunnel. On, and he's just b- batting the walls and they're playing mm-hmm. six spaghetti Western mu- music with like mm-hmm. heavy trombones, which to me at the time, like blew my mind. Cause I played trombone and I was Vince like, this loves, is the coolest Vince thing in the world. The bone. And <laughs> <laughs> tromboner for life is, it was what the moniker. Oh was. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, he <laughs> gets, he gets, <laughs> I don't know. Then they introduce like the whole carving the Nazi thing into his head, and and then that's yeah. how the movie ends. I, I just it's I also think the great. the conclusion of the bear Jew scene, yeah. where he's like banging on the thing, and you see the Nazi's face, and you're like, is he scared? Is he like accepting what's about to happen to him? It's like, and then when he eventually does bash his head in, the music stops, yeah. and it gets really unglorified really fast, yeah. and you're like, oh god, like. Ugh. But um, oh, also, do you know where Quentin Tarantino's cameo is in this movie? Uh, no, tell me. He's in the movie, and you don't see his face. Is he the theater owner? He is. No, he is the person no. that they scalp at the very <laughs> oh. beginning. They, they're the he's the first head who gets scalped. Oh, okay. Yeah, wait. Yeah. Yeah. So it's one of those moments you don't even know. You don't see his face, but it's he's in the movie. Yeah. Side question: Doesn't she own the theater? Yep. Okay. That was yeah. yes. All she right. owns the theater. Dumb answer. Then. She owns the theater because her aunt gave it to her. Oh, does she? I believe. I. I. She inherited oh, the okay. theater. All right. That makes sense. I think. And the best thing yeah. about the ending is how, you know, okay, it gives you just complete satisfaction killing off all the like actual real life history villains, and then it's character villain. Mm-hmm. You think, oh shoot, we got all that, but the actual like yep. villain of this movie gets away with everything he wants. Mm-hmm. But na na na. Na na na. The world's going to know. Nope. There's no escaping yep. that and that's the best like switch around. And they knew mm-hmm. that it wouldn't just be satisfying to you know kill off the actual Nazis in this movie. They knew they needed yeah. to to end him individually in a satisfying way for the audience for that really to land. And I just think it's like great yeah. writing across the board. There's a lot of characters that are managed in this film, and I think that's what's really impressive. And the runtime does not feel mm-hmm. too long for that. And no, they all honestly, get their I could have. They all get their due. Yep. I yeah. Him. I love the joke where he's like, "You'll be shot for this." He's like, "No, I'll be reprimanded. I can be. I've been reprimanded before." I'll be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he kills the guy, and he's like, "No, they're not gonna kill me. Trust me, I'll be fine." <laughs> I love that. <laughs> But yeah, I the you know it's like Christoph Waltz. Then he's playing by the rules, which is funny. But he is, and then when Brad Pitt's like, "Nah, never mind, I'm not gonna," yeah, and you're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you love it." That's great. Okay, well that was our Tarantino rank. Yeah, holy crap! Good, good episode. By by you know. By making fun of the film bro, we became the film bro, and we became the True. thing we Dang feared it. the most. I don't care. What is, I'm, what I'm is that a quote from? I don't know. I feel like I'm butchering the quote from The Dark Knight. Oh, it is. See, maybe we're not oh, film yeah. bros, because that's something no we're film not. bro would ever do. They would that's get the a quote classic right. film bro. 
You live That's long enough to see yourself movie. become the villain. That's what the thing is. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Anyhow, Connor, okay. How, wait. Quick take. Yeah. Quick. Quick, quick, um, quick, quick takes. Quick takes. Quick. Quick takes. Quick takes. It's quick takes with Connor and Vince. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> my roommates <laughs> just embarrassing myself. <laughs> Rarely do we do our oh, podcast in front of others. In front of people. Watching so Connor get interesting. Watching moment. Connor get bashful is is quite worth it. It's funny. <laughs> it's funny when I'm alone. God, that was funny. She she's she didn't care. Okay. Um. Quick takes. This is the segment of the show where we give you a quick take and you take it. Vince. You take it and you take it. <laughs> and nice. you take it. Um, What's your take, Vince? What's your quick my take? My take is I don't know how I didn't find Letterbox sooner. I didn't even know that thing existed. Letterbox? It's a social What's media Letterboxd? website for people to review films, say that they've watched films, like you log it, you make oh, lists. Oh, I see that, yeah. And people you know, can comment and share and you follow friends and you keep up to date. Anyway, I've gotten addicted to it and it's not good. Like yeah. I feel like it's going to shape the way I think about films in kind of a bad way. Because okay. there's the the option to like rank your lists, and I'm thinking yeah. I'm watching movies, thinking, okay, where will they fit this, and how many stars am I giving this movie in my head right now? And it's like that's such a dumb way to think about films, but I can't help it. It's like completely taken over my movie watching experience for the past like two weeks or however long it's been. Probably not even funny. two weeks. Or that's something. funny. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, you should get one if you're into movies. So then I don't feel as bad about me. Being, heck, me? I'm talking to the world right now. But yeah, you should tell totally me. Yeah, get one. I know. If you get one, I think it'd be fun. Well, you need to, you need to plug yours because we have followers. Oh, that's who right. Are yeah, and I actually I use the once removed um, logo that Miles did the fan art as my oh, that's as my profile one. photo. I actually I the more I think about it, the more I like that fan art than our actual logo. But I I won't say that to everybody. We, even though I just did. You just did. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, cool. It's is, we're going to have to get Miles on here and talk about engineering or something. He's no, talk about guy. fan art. Like, how do you develop such good fan art, Miles? How do you? Uh, and then he'll be on here it? for five minutes. And then we're like, bye, <laughs> quick take, quick take about fan art. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. No, yeah. So my quick. My, I got to plug yeah, it. You said I got to plug it. Yeah, keep going, keep going. I got to plug it. Yeah, plug it, right? Plug it. Hey, man, I'm just going to plug the whole podcast right now so we don't have to do it at the end. My letterbox is Vincent Kashani, capital V, capital C. If you don't know how to spell my last name, it's C-A-S-C-I-A-N-I. Anyway, um, the website for the podcast is <laughs> onceremovedpodcast.podbean.com. You can find our episodes. You can find all the platforms that we're on. You can f- go to our YouTube page. You can go to our Instagram. Please engage with us. Please email us. Our email is onceremovedpodcast at gmail.com. And... Um, yeah, we'd love to talk with people. I, I definitely. Oh, totally. If you're listening and you've been listening consistently, and you just want to engage in some way, please do because it's hard to know sometimes how many listeners are are like just dropping in, or if people are actually like listening consistently. Yeah. And it'd be it's really fun to engage with people who uh, love the it same is. stuff and love movies and love talking about you know just creative stuff and the stuff we love to talk about. So please do. Yeah, uh, we yeah it would be really cool if we could do like a quick takes where we do your quick takes or talk about it or, or we have an episode where we just go over other people's quick takes and yeah. talk about them. Yeah, no way. I so mean, be, yeah, send us, awesome. send us anything, any question, any, 
anything. Um, yeah, it, topic ideas okay, too. If something if there's yeah. something you want to hear mm-hmm. in particular, we're yeah, always open to suggestions. So don't think we have anything locked down. We we decide pretty much like very yeah. very not far in advance. <laughs> often, <laughs> we oftentimes we have an idea before, like, we're right, excited we're about, about and we really prep for. But for instance, yeah. this one this was kind of a spur of a moment. Like, hey, we've seen like all the Tarantino movies, haven't we? Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. So now I guess it's my yeah, quick take. My quick take is driving across the country is kind of difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it was surprisingly not difficult. I'm, I like driving. I like the alone time. And I just like, okay, so I got the Battle of Hell gig in Las Vegas, and that's where whoop, I am whoop. right now. So me and Vince are finally in the same freaking time it's zone. It's crazy, isn't it? And... We are no longer once removed. We're a little less removed, you know? Yeah, our title makes even less um, sense now. <laughs> even less. So, um, <laughs> but uh, I went from New York. I moved all my stuff down to Virginia Beach, where I'm from. And then there I got rid of a couple stuff and packed it all on a truck. And from Virginia Beach, I drove to Las Vegas. Along the 40. And along all along the 40. Uh, I went from Virginia Beach to Nashville, which was about a 10-hour drive. Did you skip Memphis? Stayed there the night. I you did. You rascal. Be- I was talking about Memphis Because I was so alone. Much. You got to go I know. and get I literally barbecue. was like, I was, no, I know, but I was making plans to go to Memphis, and then I was like, what am I going to do? Oh, you don't I'm know alone. anybody there. If I was, okay. I don't know anyone. If I was with someone, absolutely. But I, I was alone. So you just so like I you weren't even I didn't stop anywhere. stop. Yeah, I was eating nothing also while driving, which is bad. But like, um, so the first day I went to Nashville, stayed there, got some barbecue in Nashville, which was good. And then from Nashville, you know people I in drove Nashville, to right? Oklahoma City. Did you see? Oh, yes. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you already told me this anyway. Yeah. So and then from Nashville, I went to Oklahoma City, which is another about ten hour drive. Got to sneeze. Gazoon tight. Woo. Thank you, brother. Um, that's great audio content right there. Yeah, do you like listening to our, <laughs> our breathing and our sneezes? If you do, please <laughs> please tell us. I want to remove punk. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then I went to Oklahoma City from Nashville, and I think on that day, I started, or maybe the next day, but one of the days, I just started driving at like 8 in the morning, and at around 9.30 or 10, I got Taco Bell, and I got a box, like a craving box, <laughs> that had a, a big old fat burrito, TMI. a chalupa. TMI, dude. <laughs> no, this matters. And then a taco and, a, and chips, and that was it. And I ate the burrito and the chalupa, and then 10 hours later, I ate the rest, <laughs> and that's all I ate uh, that entire uh, day. 10-hour-old <laughs> Taco Bell that's been sitting in your car? Oh, yeah. Dude, mm-hmm. I, that just does... Doesn't sound appetizing, that's for sure. Oh, it wasn't. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, but okay. And then from Oklahoma City, I was debating: do I go straight from Oklahoma City to Las Vegas, which is a pretty long that's a fat drive. drive. It's, like, it's a 16-hour drive, 17 hours. And I decided no, and I'm gonna fly, stay in Flagstaff. So in Flagstaff, it was another like 12-hour drive. I actually like Flagstaff. I, I like, really like Flagstaff, so I'm curious if you thought anything I, of I, it. I just stopped by a hotel and didn't really. Oh, uh, like, did you see the trees, or was it too like dark? <laughs> no, I didn't. I did not see the trees. This is see. This is why I think if you would have spent one more day on the road trip, you would have really been able to like go to the Grand Canyon because it's only like an hour up. 
from Flagstaff. I did see the Grand. No, I drove by the Grand what, Canyon. You did? Oh, I thought you said yeah, you did. Very briefly, I saw it. Yeah, oh, because, because you, so came up, you came up the other I, side. I you saw, saw it to like the right of you. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. Okay. That's. I didn't like okay, go up to the Grand Canyon. And then I got to Vegas and it was perfect timing. Like my roommate got here at, literally at the same time. It was crazy. And I will say this also, and you can d- agree or disagree. I think the most beautiful place I've ever driven through is New Mexico. Hell yeah, buddy. I'm so New glad Mexico you enjoyed is that. so yeah. It was gorgeous. The mountains and the plateaus. And, oh, my been. God. It was beautiful. You've never seen it. Nope. Oh, my gosh. Nope. I didn't realize and, that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Arizona was also beautiful for similar Dude, reasons. Yeah. But Northern New Mexico um, and Northern Arizona. North. Oh, my like Lord. That's what I drove through. It was beautiful. Yeah. And I was like, I want to film a Western movie out here. Oh, yeah. And the, on, oh, do they ever? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Dude, I'm just like, it's crazy to me to think. I have such an attachment to that place, having lived in New Mexico for a little bit, and it's yeah. funny to me that this is the first time you've ever been there. It's just weird because it—I don't know—I associate yeah, right? so many memories of that we have in childhood, and so it's weird to have those two things be separated like that. Yeah, dude, you can just see forever. I mean, that's so dumb, but it's just an amazing oh, place yeah. to be. I, I love it there. Yeah, I also I know there's been a lot of flooding in Texas right now, yeah. and I drove through like the top bit of Texas yeah. from Oklahoma to uh, New Mexico, and it was pouring for maybe three hours. I could oh. barely see. Yeah, I, I was like, so scary. Well, I guess you and I'm still driving, and everyone's still driving so fast, and it's like, yeah, mm. and then it's like two lane that whole stretch. It's just it's all two you lane. Go ninety because it's, it's just open, but mm-hmm. when it's raining, yep. Did you stop at Amarillo? When it was raining, it was scary. Texas? No, <laughs> I was... Uh, I was <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, the, the, I it's almost, cool. I almost stopped there. When um, I first planned out my trip, I was going to stop in Little Rock and then go Amarillo and then from Amarillo to Vegas or Flagstaff to Vegas and make it a long trip. But I realized I could do Nashville to Oklahoma City and my sister goes to school there, so I just stayed with her. Cool. I'm glad you, I'm glad you saw her. And that sounds like a yeah, great way to too. do it because for context, my... For everybody listening, my dad and I did this road trip like two years ago, right? Beginning of COVID. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just f- the reason I'm so interested in the mechanics of your trip, Connor, is because I'm trying to compare them and think about how people would plan the same road trip. I think it's a good one. This is the superior way it to drive a, across the country. It's a really good road trip. It's better than taking I the would northern say route because I feel like there's way more to see going along the southern route. Yeah. I wish I drove through more like Montana-esque mountains. Okay. Well, because that's I got a... a yeah, I got a full scape, escape. I got a full scope of like the entire country. Yeah, because Virginia and Tennessee is very like woody. Yeah, it's a lot of woods. Tennessee's it's very well. green and it's very hilly. Yeah, Tennessee's gorgeous. And then from Tennessee, I went to Arkansas. That was maybe Arkansas was the most boring spot. But we um, love you, Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, also, anybody I drove if you're listening through like Arkansas. We're not trying to then, hate on you. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then same in Oklahoma. It just wasn't as like agreed. It was a lot more like flat. Yeah. There were lots of cows. I like cows. I but, like um, cows. <laughs> and then I hit New Mexico and the mountains and the, the desert was oh, so yeah. freaking cool. And then Arizona was like Did you similar, did you cut through Navajo Nation same. or does the forty run south of that? No. Oh, because my dad and I we took like a I, detour and yeah. went around and there's a lot of really cool rock formations and stuff in there. There's this place called Shiprock. If you get a chance cool. to anybody gets a chance to see it or look it up or just any of these any of these spots, it's some of the coolest places. Are you glad you arrived? Well, Are you glad to be on the West Coast, dude? The better coast. 
Yeah, I'm. Don't give no, it's shit. true. You're gonna love it. No, it's not. I, well, you're not I on mean, a coaster. In the coast. of the desert, I live in a so desert. Really <laughs> I count. literally live in a desert. Um, I am excited to be here mostly for the show. Yeah. Like, I mean, I like Vegas so far. It's actually pretty fun. Last night, whew, another quick take. You're getting two quick takes in one. Well, cool. I, I saw yeah. this show at the Luxor Hotel called Fantasy. Yes, you're, you're telling me about this. <laughs> Yeah, so that was uh, quite interesting. Lots of, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> you got the Vegas experience already. No. I think it's. I know, and I literally, I was counting the days until I just saw a naked person. And I was like, oh, it's three. Three. Nice. <laughs> it's three days. That is all it is. But uh, no, so I went to see the show because I, um, the host or the hostess of the show. She has this phenomenal voice, and she's so funny, and she's interacting with the audience. She never was naked. But um, she is going to be in Bat Out of Hell. She's going to be one of the main characters, and she's such a sweetheart and was so amazing. And we were all, at a bunch of the cast, we went out uh, to eat and And then went to this show. That's cool. That's cool that you guys are already doing that. You haven't even started really like prepping. That's a good Mm -hmm. start. Yeah, so we did that, and it was um, it was fun. It honestly, w- like, it wasn't sexy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's like, 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 I mean, you're surrounded by people, and the energy was just so. Especially the hostess made it very much like, scream, yell, have a yeah, great time, yeah. like, woo, and it was it was not like a stripper. Well, that's good. I think like. It was it was just dancers. That's um I don't know I don't want to I don't have too much of a podcast opinion on this I guess it's just like yeah right I don't know that's uh that's that's cool that there's a space where that can occur where it's not um hyper sexualized I guess like the hyper sexualization yeah, no, was, nudity though. I suppose oh yeah I guess I, I guess, I guess but it, it, it was, was it definitely okay. was well, never mind because I know it nothing. Was, it's called fantasy. Like they were True. trying to. That that is a, that is a pretty telling title, but um, and it wasn't just like people doing their skills while yeah, topless. Yeah. It was like sexy Got dancing. You. And then one lady did silks. It was amazing, and she wasn't even naked. She just was doing silks, and we were like, "Oh my god!" Those are Lord. very impressive. She was Watching, so strong. That is very she was tough. So strong. Um, it is. Oh, so well, crazy is there hard. any other impression you have of Vegas that's not related to its reputation as the city of sin? It's not even nearly as sinful as you would think. Like I live, uh, <laughs> like in a in an apartment complex in a neighborhood. Yeah. Like it's it's a it's a normal other city. Than the Strip and like downtown, it's a totally normal yeah. city. Yeah. Yeah. No. So yeah. Oh, side side note. Side note. note. Um, mini quick take. My birthday. My book turned one yesterday, and I just had to plug that because I feel conflicted about having a year go by where where it's been out and it's funky. Ah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's amazing. Though, dude, dude. Now that you're out here, it's gonna be cool, folks. For all you listening who are invested yeah. in how often Connor and I get to see each other, the rate of it has increased now that we're, now that we're uh, in cities that are not too oh, totally. far. So, mm-hmm. haha. There we go. <laughs> I feel like I'm dragging, dragging this out, man. Yeah, we just got to end. We just got to end. Bye. Um, okay, bye, guys.